resolution from your bed <laughs> episode date. I'm gonna make this one a bit shorter for Christmas that comes to us and everybody's so happy. There is no snow here yet, I'm afraid. Yes, we are talking about Christmas today and New Year's and New Year's resolutions. I love it, really. New Year's resolutions are like unpaid checks. People always break their promises to themselves and I think that the reason is lack of self-discipline. You know, my best example would be flossing. You know how many amazingly clean and hygiene people I know that just keep on saying that they can't floss because, I don't know, excuses. And it's all about habits and all about being kind of committed to something that you want to do. But there are a lot of studies about it and I'm not a sociologist or a psychologist, but it's funny because I, in my perspective, only my perspective, look at it as a lack of a motivation problem. If you understand the motivation, you're probably going to have much easier time implementing things. And I think that anything can be changed if you really find the reason for it. I see it a lot in health education. I've been engaged in a lot of health education in the recent years. And what I've noticed is basically that people don't change their behavior because somebody tells them to. They need to realize the really bad influence of something like cigarettes, for instance. But eventually, the, the means that help reduce cigarette consumption or alcohol consumption is usually financial. Some countries just ban cigarettes machines, some countries give a lot of tax, and it's so expensive that you cannot even maintain it. So we as humans have tendencies to do stuff that's going against our own body and nature, but eventually those New Year's resolutions are just one symptom of it because we say we want to change something and we don't do it because we're wallowed in our own self, pity, and basically we rather spend our time looking at other people pretend that they have a good life on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. I think that it's not about not having any resolutions at all. I think that New Year's resolutions should be something that is tangible. For instance, instead of saying this year I'm going to do this 10 stuff, this year I'm going to do this one thing. But it's not about paragliding, it's about something that can really affect your daily life. And I hear all the time people want to learn how to play a new instrument or read more or do something, but it's like, you know, you want to go on a hike, but you don't have shoes. So you'll go on a hike, you'll step on a stone, you'll feel pain, and you're never going to do it again. So unless you're me, and then you're probably going to run because this is how we entrepreneurs slash chronic illness patients do it. But I think that basically, it's all about understanding that it's like really baby steps. I think that if you want to do something for yourself as a New Year's resolution, you need to understand what is your motive and what is this thing is going to give you. A lot of time people think, from my observations, that they will do something that will completely change their life. Like for instance, I'm going to quit smoking, lose 10 pounds and start eating healthy. And those resolutions are nice on paper, but you cannot commit to them. What I found, actually, is that your resolutions are a really good way of gamification or gamifying life. 
because sometimes when I have stuff I don't want to do, I tend to look at it like an achievement that I need to unlock, like a game. I just look at it like a video game. When I was studying for my degree, there are courses that I really didn't like, but for me, it's really, literally, you get credits, you get points. So if you unlock or earn these points, those credits, eventually you're going to unlock another achievement, which is the semester or the year, and then you're going to finish this degree. And yes, of course, many people are talking about dropping out and so on. I'm, I'm not here to do college consultation. This is not my role here. I'm just going to say that gamification can work anywhere. And when you're talking about New Year's resolutions, I think that if you understand the motive for change, and if you do it step by step, and you do it in something that is tangible, for instance, I want to learn a new instrument because I want to learn how to play a song for my wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. This is something that you already have a few elements there. You have a meaning and you have an end to it. And then the mean to this end is a skill you need to acquire. And most people, they don't understand that if you don't see the end of a process, it's usually very hard to take part in it. And I learned it in, in perseverance that I had to maintain during startups, social projects, you know, my chronic illness journey. I had to see some sort of uh, light in the end of the tunnel. So for chronic illness, what I did is basically to design my own rehabilitation program. And I had really tangible steps. I had goals and I had milestones and some sort of checkpoint. So for instance, I, when I couldn't really walk because I was fainting all the time and I could really barely stand for more than a few seconds, for me, it's not about, okay, I'm going to walk again this year. Of course, you have to say statements like this if you want to do stuff, but for me, it was like, okay, I want to reach a point in which I get out of bed and I can stand for one minute. And after I got this one minute, I say, okay, now I want three minutes. And after I got three minutes, I couldn't speak so much because more than 10 seconds, I didn't have enough air. So I said, yeah, I want to have the ability to have a conversation for half a minute or one minute or a phone call. Or then I used to play with my siblings, this rock band on PlayStation, and I want to be able to sing a song. But it took me months and months on end that I had tangible steps. And the mean was to serve an end. And the end was not to get healthy, because if get healthy is something so big, I used an excuse to myself. And I said, I'm going back to college. If I'm going to school and I need to be in the 1st of October or whatever, the date that every year is changing a bit, but I want to be in 1st of October next year, I want to be on the college grounds and to greet my friends and to take part in the lessons. So I had to learn how to walk again in order to actually go to college instead of somebody taking me to college and putting me there in a wheelchair. I had to be able to sit for long enough time to withstand the lesson. I had to learn how to climb steps again because I'm afraid that not every place is fully accessible and this is something that has to be changed, but I had to learn this too. I had to learn to be in social situation without freaking out. You know, when you're a chronic illness patient, sometimes you've been so many years at bed or at home, you develop some sort of agoraphobia or social anxiety because, of course, it's very hard. So you need to maintain a day that for healthy people, it's, oh, it's just a day, I'm going, I'm make myself some lunch and I'm going to college, but this is just a day in college, this is boring. I'm waiting for the party, the birthday party, after the day in college. For me, just 
going on a bus to get to my college or to my dad's car to get to this college was so ungraspable when I was in bed. That's why I needed to have baby steps. So this example comes to serve that any resolution that requires change in your life, whether if it's adding a new habit or acquiring a new skill or making a tremendous behavioral change, like quit smoking or eating better, you need to understand the end and the means to it. I give you an example, another one. Six months ago or so, I've decided that I had enough of my stomach pain, and I've talked about it because I had severe IBS symptoms, and I suspected that I've developed food intolerances. And it was after a few years of intense traveling and rehabilitating again from my chronic illness after a relapse, but I couldn't maintain digestion part. It didn't just restore itself. So I had enough of having stomach pain every day and every time I eat something or drink something I have to run to the bathroom so you're really afraid to even go out of your home and meet friends after a while and you have to take Pepto every five minutes. It's like this pink pill that helps with indigestion. So I said enough and I had this enough before, like three or four times, this enough moment. But as I mentioned here before, and I will mention again, and in my book, and in my YouTube channel, unless you hit rock bottom and you're sick of your sickness or sick of something that you want to change, you're not going to change it. So yeah, I didn't eat um, junk for like a month and then everything came back again And because I, I, I went back on eating junk. And I didn't eat milk and then again, well, I love pizza, I'm, I'm going to eat milk. Eventually, I always broke my own promises until... I had such a bad month just before Corona, in the month before the quarantine, that I couldn't even eat anymore. Really, I was considering going to a hospital and I knew they were going to admit me. And with my illness, Corona was already starting, I didn't see a good end to it. I don't recommend doing stuff like this if you have severe stomach pain or any emerging symptom that you feel that you need to see a professional, please go do it. But for me, I was consulting, I'm surrounding with doctors, I'm working with doctors every day. I consulted with a few experts and I realized after a few testing that it's probably not life-threatening, it's probably not Crohn disease or anything dangerous, but I couldn't eat anymore. And for one week, I just drank water, which even then the water caused me stomach pain and ate half a banana then which caused me stomach pain and I said that is enough now I'm going to make a plan to really heal myself of this IBS or intolerances and I have an entire video about it and I will have an entire podcast episode about it how I healed my food intolerances and IBS symptoms and it required me perseverance and discipline and it required me to, to undertake a very strict diet in which basically I could eat only cucumbers, zucchinis, and buckwheat, and later on some spelt for months or months of months on end. It was terrible, it was hard, but you get creative and you learn how to bake your own bread. Today I'm, I'm baking every two days an amazing bread at home. Everything is bio, everything is natural, no preservative, no additive, nothing is coming basically from a bag. I'm feeling better, I'm healthier, I'm more vibrant, I sleep better, I have much less stomach pain. The only times I have stomach pain is if I accidentally consume something I'm not supposed to because it's part of this learning phase. In order to achieve these things that I've achieved, I had to plan a plan. I had to have this end, the means, the moment that I had enough of something and actually go and do it. 
but I also had to make a habit out of it. And this is the hard part for most people. So just like flossing, and me myself, I was lazy about it, and I do it every few days, and, and I said, no, like, once you have a cavity and you go to a dentist, and you totally understand that it's totally preventable, and you want to keep your healthy, beautiful shrine called your body, so you said, yeah, if that's what it takes to invest one or two more minutes every day to brush carefully with an electric brush and floss because I want to maintain this health that I don't have in, in abundance, I will do it. But I had to get to the dentist to actually understand that I cannot be lazy about something like this. Again, with my nutrition. Again, with a lot of other things I can give you example for. From working, from writing my book, which is not easy. But discipline is not enough. You need to understand that what you do have an end. And if you want to do a New Year's resolution, you need to understand, does it serve me or other people? If it's serving me, in what way does it serve me? And not only that, do I see the path? Do I have a clear plan to do it? So for instance, you want to start learning guitar. You need a guitar probably, right? Unless you go to a teacher every week and do it. And now with Corona, it's harder. So you can buy a guitar or guitar lele and watch a lot of YouTube or buy a book or go to a teacher, do online courses or whatever. But you need to plan a step of what you need. Like when I needed to start my, wanted to start my YouTube channel, I needed a camera, I needed lights, I needed the microphone, I needed a place to shoot and I needed content. And it's okay, people just vlog and talk about stuff, but eventually I needed to feel that I'm obligated to something that is becoming a habit. And today I'm recording an episode or two of podcasts every week and I'm doing a video or two every week. It really depends and varies, but at least once a week and it's becoming a habit. It's becoming part of my lifestyle. And I know slow living, Corona time, amazing. I'm all for it, mindful living. I'm all for mindfulness. But in order to get to the mindful place, you need to do stuff. Like I did yoga once a week professionally before Corona. And then when the quarantine stopped for a few months, you go and the teacher is great and she helps you or he helps you and you do yoga. But why don't I practice at home? Because we are lazy and we want to do stuff, but it's easier for us to watch other people do it online instead of doing it ourselves. So yes, I've started to do yoga every day because I thought that for a second, think about it, how do you feel after yoga if you did yoga? You feel this yoga bliss, what they call it. You feel light and floating, like you took drugs, not that I take drugs, but you feel really light, right? So I said, I want to feel it every day. I want to move my body. I sit a lot. I'm writing a book. I'm working on my project. I want to move, especially now in quarantine. I want to feel flexible. I want to feel every day exactly how I feel after yoga lessons. So... 15 minutes every morning, as soon as I get up, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, I do yoga. It's easier for me because I do it with my girlfriend, and when you do stuff together, it's much easier, and this is another advice. But I did yoga, and you know what was my last straw there? When I noticed, after two days of not doing yoga, that my back is about to strain, and I, I had this back pain, and I felt kind of this... You know, like programmers feel, like my brother tells me after a day of programming, it's like everything is hurting, the neck, the hands, the eyes, the head. Like, I felt it and I said, oh my God, yoga solved this for me. So now I'm going to do it as part of my schedule. Of course, it's hard if you're traveling or working with kids or whatever. For me, 
there's no excuse. Even if I'm traveling, what's the problem to do in your hotel room? You just learn a sequence. I'm using this amazing channel called Yoga with Bird, like a bird, like B-I-R-D, on YouTube. She has five minute sequences, 10 minute sequences. I have pots, so I can only do some sort of yin yoga. Like I cannot change position very fast. I have orthostatic intolerance. Like I can faint or have really dizziness or really headache or whatever other symptoms but she really accommodates to almost every need and I just learned the sequence. I watched it like five, 10 times and then I learned it and now I don't even need my phone anymore. I just go on Spotify and you have it on YouTube, right? Yoga, music, there are millions of them or hundreds or thousands of them. It's amazing, you press play, you do a timer for 15 minutes. For me, I have an Apple Watch, so I have to do the 30 minutes of exercise a day, otherwise the, the watch is really angry with me and I'm angry with me. So I just do 15 minutes of yoga and in the evening, another habit, I walk for 30 or 45 minutes because if I don't walk in two weeks, I feel like shit again, I feel potsy again. I don't want to feel bad, I want to treat my body as a shrine. So what I'm trying to say, any habit can be acquired by basically understanding what are you sick of, what do you want to change, what are the means you're going to use, and what is the end goal, what do you want to achieve. And in this year, we are really hopeful that finally, once and for all, we are going to get a vaccination, at least the ones of us who can get a vaccination, and we can actually go out of our homes and maintain regular life. But what, a, what an amazing journey we had, right? So I really want people to remember that the, all this amazing thing they did during quarantine should actually stay after quarantine. Spending more time with your loved one, baking, cooking, reading, writing, journaling, art stuff, whatever you did that makes you happy. And every resolution you make it's supposed to make you happy, it's supposed to make you a better person. I, when I do things that are mindful, I'm treating my body as a shrine, I'm maintaining it because just like any other machine, it needs maintenance, and I treat myself better, I'm doing self-care, and I feel much better, and if we want to improve, and this podcast is a lot about self-improvement, we need to acquire new habits and we need to acquire new skills and we need to actually maintain some sort of discipline because as much as i want to talk to the lazy part of us yes you you can always get up of bed and go to the living room and uh, or to your corner when you work and do your stuff and watch netflix all day but what would you remember? You, would you remember like this amazing time you sat, uh, browsed through Instagram or watched Netflix? Or would you remember reading an amazing book or writing or creating something or having an amazing call with somebody? Like, right? So let's use this time, this quarantine, hopefully it's the last one for all of us, to actually make New Year's resolutions that we can uphold. So this will be my New Year resolution and I hope that for you as well, that the New Year's resolution is that I'm taking on myself resolutions that I can uphold. That will be the greatest gift for you. That will basically help you get other resolutions done. Guys, I wish you Merry Christmas and from my peeps, Happy Hanukkah, any other holiday that is happening right now across the world. May I be united and healthy and treat ourselves like we want others to treat us. And I'll see you after the holiday. Have a wonderful Christmas and I love you guys. Bye!